0: Welcome to the ministry of Barefoot Church. I'm Clay Neesmith, the pastor here at Barefoot Church. And man, we hope what you experience here today uh, will encourage you, motivate you, and inspire you in a great, great way. You know, I wanna talk on the subject of being optimistic today. Uh, How many of you like to be optimistic, huh? Come on. That's awesome. Because you know, a lot of times in a society we tend to look at all of what is wrong instead of what is right and God wants us to have have a spirit of optimism he wants us to really really focus on the things that are out in front of us not just the things behind us and so what I want to do today is I want to talk about forgetting what we should forget and remembering what we should remember how many of you know that lots of times we remember what we should forget and we forget what we should remember? But I, I just want to talk to you today about remembering what you should forget and forgetting what you, what you should remember. Maybe I said that right, I don't know. In other words, you need to forget certain things and you need to remember certain things. But we have a, a habit, we're programmed many, many times to remember things that God wants us to forget. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm gonna invite you to open it up to Hebrews chapter chapter 10. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. And I got to thinking about this a little bit this week, actually. I got to thinking about this verse. I started meditating on this verse. And and I just wanna read it, and then we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. It says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. So the Bible says that in, in the uh, above passage there, it talks about Jesus being a final sacrifice for humanity so humanity can come back to God. And and he says, and what I'm going to do uh, during that particular time is I'm going to make a new covenant, a new agreement with my people. He says... He says, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember. In other words, it's getting ready to say that God's getting ready to forget something. He says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Now, I started thinking a little bit about that. God forgets about that thing. So maybe we should too. You know, if God has basically said, I forget their sins, I don't remember their sins, then why do we remember our sins? Why do we continually dwell on missing the mark of God's glorious standard and what we did? Can I tell you why? Because it's a strategy of the enemy. And the enemy wants you to hold you back from the future that God has in store for you. And it's really, really easy to remember all the misses you made and not know how to get it right and move forward with your life. And if you program your mind and your life and your heart to always see the glass is half empty instead instead of being half full, then maybe this is the message for you today. But if you're always optimistic and you always believe that there's more and you always believe that you know, that, that God's going to do more, he's going to forget certain things and he's going to remember certain things, then, then I do believe also that this is a message to speak to you. Because as a human being, I'm one, okay, and you're one. As a human being, I know we have the tendency to, to reminisce on all the mistakes we made. Anybody ever made a financial mistake? Boy, I've made a lot of them. And you know, if I'm not careful, what I'll do is I'll reminisce on what I should have done and what I shouldn't have done and this and that. And I'll begin to kind of get caught in a trap and I won't move forward in the blessings of today. I wonder how many people have lost their job and they used to make some money. Come on, somebody and they dwell on, you know what, the loss of their job and what they used to have, and there's an opportunity sitting right in front of them today even though they're 68 years old, and they're retired and they lost their job and they got kicked out of the office, you know, because, because they were kind of getting close to retirement and they found some young person to replace them, and now they don't have the income they thought they were going to have and all that kind. I just want you to know today, maybe that's you. I need you to know today that God still has opportunity out in front of you. Stop looking at the glass half empty. Maybe it's full. But see, when you begin to not know that God is more than enough, you, you'll always approach every situation negatively. For instance, we've all heard the, the phrase about the, the glass being half full or half empty, haven't we? And again, if, if I think that this is half empty and there's, there's no more, to ever supply this glass with I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to this, right? And I'm gonna protect it. If, if, if I believe that this is all the water ever left in the world and my glass is already half empty, then, then I'm, gonna, I'm gonna approach everything in a protective manner and in a negative kind of way. But if I believe That there's more to fill this glass up with. Then what I'll begin to do is I'll begin to just pour it out. Maybe drink a little bit. Because I know something. I got faith in something. That what I just poured out. That there's a God who is more than enough and he will fill my glass up and he will run it over. Is that how you see God? And if you don't see God that way, I hope that this this passage of scripture, I'm getting ready to kind of Talk to you about today begins to open your eyes to there is a God, if he started a good work in you, he will finish what he started. And my Bible says the good work started when Jesus died on a cross and forgave you and me of our sin and God forgot it as far as the east is from the west. And now you are a brand new person and God wants you to operate by this commodity called faith. I want you to know faith is the most valuable thing you have. And he wants you to operate by that and always see that he's a God of more than enough. If if God forgets sin, I want to forget it too. If sin has no value to God and he, he forgets it as far as the east is, is from the west, if he throws it and casts it into the sea, and it's never going to have eternal value, then I want to forget that thing too. Not only about my life, but also about your life. And I want to see the God potential in you. And, and, and so if God forgets those things, and they have no eternal value, this is where my question went this week. Well, then what does God remember? What does he reward? And, and I, I think because that's what I want to invest my life in. It's, it's not sinful things, but things of faith. Because the Bible says that that is what God rewards in all eternity. And let me show you, it's in Hebrews, also Hebrews eleven six It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him by faith. So the question is, is do you believe that he is a God of more than enough? Do you believe he's a God who can fill your glass back up? Or do you believe that all you are experiencing today is all you have and you're hanging on to all of those things and you're not living life to the full? Well, there was a group of people in the Bible that a particular individual wrote a letter to. It's the church at Philippi. And these were people who come to faith in Christ. However, they lived in a, in a Roman colony that, that where a bunch of retired soldiers lived. And the retired soldiers had allegiance towards the Roman government. And the followers of Jesus in that day, remember their their first century followers, they began to, to show allegiance towards this resurrected Jesus. And so the community they lived in would pull against them and begin to say, man, you know what? You can't show allegiance to a new king. Don't you realize that we live in a Roman colony and we fought for this Roman colony and your total allegiance needs to be towards this Roman government. And and, and so they didn't understand that these people were putting their faith in an almighty God, a high God, and and, and they were announcing him as king. And so what the people began to do is persecute these people, actually throw them into jail because they were saying, look, you know what? I'm, I'm basically turning my heart and giving allegiance towards this great God of the universe. And Paul was one of these people that they had thrown into prison. He was imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus. Because, because he said Jesus is King. And, and, and so what happens is all of this, all of this negativity comes towards him because of his faith in Jesus. People were rigid. People had had strong values in this particular culture. It wasn't you were you were partly into one thing. And then partly into another. Now, we live in a culture where that's the case, where, you know, you know, we can have a little, a little foot in this, a little foot in this, we can dabble with this, dabble with that. We can, we can say that we got allegiance to five things and everybody's okay with it. But in this culture, when you said you got allegiance towards one thing, then Typically, what that meant was you were against all the other things. And people had strong beliefs about what they believed in. Same thing with Judaism in that particular day. It's one of the reasons the Jews participated in nailing Jesus to the cross. He, he comes along and he says, I'm king. And, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm the one who is the Messiah, the liberator that all the Jews are looking for. However, they didn't see him as a suffering servant. They they saw him as a political king. And my friend, if all you do is look at things from an earthly point of view, and you don't open your eyes of faith, then what you will continually do is see the glass as half empty. But if, you begin to raise your eyes of faith and you know who God is and you know who Jesus is and you give your allegiance and your heart towards him. I want you to understand that things begin to be transformed in your life and changed in your life, but it doesn't always mean you're going to live a peaceful life in this earth. And what Paul tells the group at Philippi, is this, he says, though you're not experiencing the best life in the culture you're in right now, I just want to remind you to have joy in all circumstances. I just want to remind you of who you belong to. He says, because you know what, your glass runneth over, your cup runneth over because of what you are connected to and what you believe about about Jesus. My friend, I want you to know life will zap you. Circumstances will zap you. People will zap you. Pain will zap you. Lack of progress will will zap you. If you don't take hold of what the writer tells the church at Philippi in, in being optimistic towards the future things that God has in store for you. It's interesting because in this same passage of scripture, I'm getting ready to read, One of the famous statements of this writer, his name is Paul. He says, he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and, you know, again, he didn't see, he thought he may be being executed in prison when he wrote this letter. He thought that could be a possibility. But, but he says, you know, that, that really wouldn't be suffering if I died. That's what He says, if, if I just went ahead and died in prison right now I'd go be at home and be with the lord he says that's the easy way out he says but to live is Christ to die is gain in other words I would gain something by going he says the real suffering is is staying here and, and trying to convince and connect people to who putting their faith in Jesus and he says, so, so I'm going to choose to suffer like Christ suffered for the sake of other people and nations. In other words, he says, I, I, I'm going to live instead of die. It was upside down thinking from what most of us think. We think if, if we die for our, for our faith, then that would be suffering. Paul thought of it as, no, if I live with my faith, That's more suffering than dying with my faith. Because he understood what it meant. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he held on to that with all of his heart. And he says, man, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to stick around a little while. I'm going to get this good news. And he says, even me being in prison is the hand of God. And though you see it as suffering, I see it as awesomeness. How many people could really say that? He he said, you see it, Philippians, as, as me suffering. But it was in God's plan because he needed to connect the Roman soldiers to the good news of Jesus. And they all know I'm in prison because of Jesus. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep loving Jesus with my faith, hanging on to Jesus with my faith. And God's going to speak into their life. And guess what's going to happen? This Jesus is going to get into the Roman culture and transform it also. How many of us see ministry that way? Usually we see ministry as... (laughs) lights and glitter and everything positive but but paul paul saw it as hey wherever i got to go with this good news i'm optimistic with my faith and i believe there's a god of more than enough and he's going to keep filling my glass up in other words he would pour out his life at the end of his life he says i've poured it out like a drink offering He says, I've given it all I've got. In other words, I believe that God is going to fill me back up. See, faith isn't the absence of fear. Faith isn't the absence of pain. Faith isn't the absence of popular opinion. Faith isn't the absence of, you know what, it feeling like you're not making progress. Faith is the commodity, the most valuable thing you've got in, in the midst of all of those particular things and, and my friend if you let the God of the universe guide you by faith then you can have joy in all circumstances Paul didn't say to the Philippian people that you know what that that everything was joyful but he says you can have joy in all circumstances Everything is not joyful. I cut my fingers this week, all, all six of them. That's not joyful. But I can have joy in all circumstances. And in this particular circumstance, it's a little scratch, six little scratches. It wasn't joyful scratching my fingers, but I know this, my, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to take them off because I believe they're going to be healed. I'm not going to give up because I believe they're going to be healed. And, 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 and so, again, it's the same thing with all things in your life. And it gets at higher levels. I get it. I'm using this little thing because, you know, lots of times, I mean, Mr. Kenneth uh, Reigns, he did cut his fingers off two weeks ago. Okay, but you know what? He stood right here in this, in this aisle last week. He's one of our ushers. Come on, somebody. And he's like, I cut my fingers off with a table saw. They couldn't sew them back on. However, you know what? I'm not going to lose faith in who God is because I lost a couple of fingers. Come on, somebody. And he says, I'm going to find my way to get with God's people and remain faithful to God's vision and God's purpose for my life as long as I've got breath in my lungs and a heartbeat in my chest. We we give up a lot of times because because of of the various circumstances. So let me read this passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. The writer says, "Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord." He says, "I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to what safeguard your faith." He goes on to say in Philippians three verses two through four, he says, "Here is what I need you to do." He says, "I need you to watch out for for those dogs, those people who do evil." those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. In this particular culture, the Jewish people would tell the males that they needed to be circumcised to be saved, to be connected back to God, because that was the ceremonial law of that particular day. And he says, look, you know what? That's not the way you're saved and brought back to God. He says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. In other words, it has truly been a cutting away of sinful things. He says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. He says, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could, he says, have have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, he says, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, he says, I even have more. And he's referring to that, you know, in that particular culture, if it was to be a a Jew and and a law-following Jew, he's like, man, I'm the Jew of all Jews. I'm at the top of the class. In other words, he says, if that is the way you're made right with God, he says, man, I should be at the top of the class. He says, because I've done all my homework. I've done it all. And then he goes on to say this. Let's look at it. Philippians 3, verses 5 through 9. He says, man, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, exactly like the law says. He says, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, he says, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. In other words, he says, man, if you want to be religious, I am the religious guy. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. He says, in other words, when they started talking about this Jesus and resurrected Jesus in this new king, he says, man, I went against them. I took them out because I believed in God that much. He goes on to say, and as for righteousness, he says, I obeyed the law without Without fault, I followed the law. I followed the commandments, little by little. He says, "I once thought of these things; of these things were valuable." He says, "But now, he said, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done." It says "worthless" in this English translation, but he wasn't so polite in his his communication style of that particular day. You should go home and study that. It's, it's amazing what he says there. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I've disregarded everything, counting it all as garbage. Again, it's, it's, he, the English word there is garbage, but it's a lot more intense. If you go study the original language, you should see what he wrote. All all that learning, all that law, all that being a Hebrew, all that being circumcised on the eighth day, all of that following it tip for tat, all of that persecuting the church and saying, y'all a bunch of crazy people. He says, man, I count it all as garbage. He says, so that. I could gain Christ and become one with him. He says, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous. He doesn't say he's not righteous. He says, I become righteous through faith. Everybody say faith. Faith Faith in Christ. He says, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on the greatest thing you and it's called faith now here's my question for you we've all been given faith a measure of faith but what is your faith in? is it in the pain? is it in the people that say you should remember your sin is it is it in all of these variations of things that God says that Jesus came and paid a high price on a cross for the sins of humanity and are you remembering the sin over and over and over again because it replays in your mind all the mistakes you've ever made, all the disobedient things you've ever done, is that causing deep pain in your heart? Or do you have faith that God does not see those things anymore he sees the righteousness of Christ and what Christ did on a cross. And is your belief and your faith, strong enough believe that he did that for every sin that keeps people away from God's presence that ever has been known to mankind. Your sin, your mama's sin, your boyfriend's sin, your girlfriend's sin, your uncle's sin, you know, whatever it is, do you believe that God's blood that was shed on that cross through his one and only son was good enough to set you free from the penalty of that sin set the next person free from the penalty of that sin because it was a sacrifice that was good enough for all mankind do you believe it do you trust it do you put your faith in it because my friend that is where the life of faith begins to take off now you can put your faith in a lot of things you can put it in Uncle Freddy and the inheritance you're going to get there, there's some people that sit in this very congregation every single week and they're putting their faith in the new building we're gonna build across that waterway. But I got I got good news. Whether we build a building or don't be, need to build a building, Jesus is still forgiving humanity for all of their sin. And I, I, I believe too, and we're we're gonna we're gonna use, we're gonna build that building across the waterway, we're gonna You know, use it as a tool to to help people get to heaven, to help people know who God is. It's going to be an amazing tool. God's going to bless it. We're going to build it. Okay. It's going to be incredible. But I need you to know today that just because we put some new bricks in the wall and pour a new foundation and clear some new ground. If you don't have faith in Jesus. What he did for humanity, all of that is in vain. And if you don't understand the purpose of it, and if you think it's just to help your family have a better life, it's all in vain. No, it's a tool to help people come to eternal life and begin to understand who God is by faith. We're not building an $8 million campus over there. So that we can say we built an $8 million campus. We're building an $8 million campus so that one, two, three, four, 10, 50, 100, 1,000, thousand, tens of 1,000 people can come to know who God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds the church at Philippi he says, listen, you know what? Some people are going to talk about you. You're going, to feel, you're going to feel some pain. You're going to, you know, you're going to begin to get discouraged in, in life occasionally. People are going to bring up the past. The past is going to haunt you if you don't learn how to operate by faith in who Jesus is. And so he goes through that whole dialogue and he talks about all, all of these various things. But then he gets to Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, and this is what he says. Because you want to know how to operate as if, you know what, God can continue to fill your glass up? You want to be optimistic? Here's how you do it. Look what he says. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He says, "I I haven't mastered all of these things that pull against my faith. He says, I'm, but I'm learning how to do life in spite of those things that pull against my faith. He says, I'm learning to understand what it means to not give up because people and my past and you know all the pain pulls against me. He says, but here's what I do. He says, I press. Everybody say press. press. He says, I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He says, but I focus. Everybody say focus. He says, I focus on this one thing. I don't focus on all those things that the people are saying. I don't focus on my past, my past achievements, because he's referring to his past achievements. Do you know your past achievements will paralyze you if you settle for what you've achieved. He goes on to say this. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. Forgetting. We need to forget what we need to forget and remember what God tells us to remember. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race. And he says, and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so how do we receive that heavenly prize? How are we rewarded? Remember what Hebrews says, that God, he rewards those who sincerely seek him and operate by faith. And, and, and so again, you can look at life as the glass is half empty. I'm 70, I'm 80 years old. You know what, I, I got arthritis in my knee and I, I, I can't really you know do a whole lot else and I, I really got to, to to, save 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 and you know I got to really build up my my equity in my bank account and I got to do all of these things I need you to know today that Paul is saying listen he's saying God rewards those who continually operate by faith and seek Him in everything that they do. And my friend, you can let the past generations hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. But I need you to know, The way to achieve it, the way to operate it, the way that God continuously pours out who he is into your life is if you continue to pour out who he is and believe that he is more than enough. So here's my question for you today. Are you looking back? and you're seeing all of what you have lost, I want to encourage you today to look forward and all that is still yet to come. Paul says this in Philippians 3.16. And, and if I were you, I'd put this verse to memory. He says, we must hold on. Everybody say, hold on to the progress we've already made. We must hold on to the progress we've already made. You you know what this is saying? It's saying that life is a journey, a journey of faith. And when you put your faith, Christ follower, in Christ Jesus, the day you did that, You know what? It it was finished. Sin was paid for. And and you no longer have to look back at all of those things that you did and how many times you missed and all those kind of things. But what you need to do is begin to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you as a Christ follower and continue to make forward progress. Many of us have done that. But, But what we've done is we've become stalemated halfway in the journey. And we're letting something steal our faith and being optimistic towards what is still yet to come. And here's the reason why. We don't hold on to the progress we've already made. You know, there was a group of Israelites that left bondage, that left slavery, 400 years of it. And God set them free. Come on, somebody. And they come out of Egypt and... God did something supernaturally and allowed them to cross over the Red Sea. And he says, now I need you to run towards the promise. And they were making progress. Everybody say progress. They were making progress. They were making progress. But then they hit some obstacles. Did you know obstacles can either build your faith or destroy your faith? Because their faith was weak. They didn't hold on to the progress they already made they started looking back and the Bible says some of them even wanted to go back all the way back to Egypt in bondage and slavery because they hit some obstacles and they weren't trusting God by faith you know you know what they begin to do they begin to mumble and complain it's amazing and they begin to talk to the leader, Moses, and they begin to say, Moses, you know what? We, we, we had breakfast every morning when we were in Egypt. We were slaves and we were rationed like, you know, maybe a half an egg and a little loaf of bread or whatever else, and they expected us to work all day and build bricks and do all this crazy stuff, but at least we had breakfast. And you got us out here and you're saying depend on God? have food. You know what God did? Just to help spur their faith on a little bit more. Bible says he chose to rain this substance down out of heaven called manna to get their attention and show them that he was going to feed them their daily bread all the way along the journey. But you know how ridiculous they were? He says, all I need you to do is pick up enough for today to make it to tomorrow. But you know what they did? They didn't trust God. Could do what he did today, that he could do it again tomorrow. And the Bible says they had basically a relapse. And and they were used to living in slavery where people took from them. And they got a little bit every day, but, but they thought somebody was going to come snatch their plate. And so what they did, when God began to say, look, I'm a God of more than enough. I can rain down manna each and every day along this journey. You know what? And he says, "Just yes, take enough for you and your family for today. Tomorrow I'm going to give you some more. You know what they did? They began to hoard it. Hmm. And hang on to it. Because they had a lack of faith that God could do what he did yesterday that he can do it tomorrow. And here's what I want to declare to you today. If you're gonna make progress with God, you can't keep looking back and going back. You gotta hold on to the progress you already made. You come this far, do you not think God is gonna take you all the way and take you the full distance and complete the good work he began in you? So here's the ask. Here's the ask and it's coming out of the mouth of this preacher but let it hit you in the heart as a Christ follower as if God himself is saying it to you. To move this family of faith forward what do you need to pour out? By faith and let God to pour in and fill our cup and let it runneth over. If you don't have eternal optimism in who God is and what he rewards here's my inclination you will hang on to it and not trust God for tomorrow. I'm not saying don't be a good steward of what you've been given today. But I am personally asking you on behalf of God as we prepare to move forward as a, as a congregation, what is it that God is asking you to put behind you and trust in Him to advance His kingdom forward? Let me pray for you. God, you're an amazing, amazing God. Thank you for pouring out your blood on that cross so we could put faith in your amazing love. Thank you, Jesus, for resurrecting from the grave so we could understand that you have power to resurrect things. And God, if there is one here today that hasn't started the journey of faith by trusting your sacrifice, your offer through your one and only son, Jesus, on that cross. God, may today they exercise the little bit of faith they have and get it in the right thing. My friend, his name is Jesus. He forgives you of all your sin. And he empowers you with the Holy Spirit to move life forward. All you have to do is be obedient and listen to him. So why don't you repent? Today of sin, turn away from it. Because God has cast it as far as the sea is. He's cast it into the sea as far as the east is from the west. Why don't you forget it? Repent of it and put your faith in a resurrected Jesus who will give you life and take you on an amazing journey. Just say, God, today I surrender. I turn away from my sin, I trust in you, and I want to move life forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We hope you were encouraged, motivated, and inspired today by the message. And again, man, we believe in you. We believe great things for you. It's because of many people's faithful giving that we're able to go out around the world. If you choose to invest in Barefoot Church, just go on over to barefootchurch.com. You can give there. But go out, live your purpose, and be inspired in a great, great way.